0: Professor claims death due to COVID-19 immunizations. Now outnumber those among the unvaccinated.
1: There was an event in 2021 that is really, for me, one of the smoking guns. 40,000 millennials died excessively, ages 25 to 44. In 2021, 60,000, 50% increase. I knew early on a couple things that made me Let's call it vaccine hesitant for this vaccine. It was new novel technology. The animal studies weren't good. I knew that before the vaccine was even out. I was horrified with the propaganda campaign and then I realized something else was afoot. And listening to the radio ads on TV, they were saying it's been approved by Pfizer. It hadn't been yet. It had been authorized under an EUA, but they were saying it was approved. These types of little details really just shocked me. We were powerless to convince people of what we knew because they thought we were the crazy ones. Once you started following the money, you realize what was going on. They suppressed early treatment talk, then they suppressed vaccination talk. A lot of things here need to be unpacked. There's real criminal behavior here because lives were
0: definitely lost because we couldn't have these conversations.
1: What we believe, unfortunately, is that uh, the immune system of many p- people has been compromised. And the number that we came up with in our report, 26.3 million vaccine injured, million disabled and 300,000 dead. In 2022, Pfizer made 7.1 billion and Moderna made 4.4 billion in the US. So for every $1 that Pfizer and Moderna made, it cost the US economy $13. I'm very suspicious that this is a control system. And what we see now economically is the beginning of what I call the end of the, the current fiat system and something else will emerge.
0: Government's running out of money, the government's printing massive amount of money to new surveillance going and now we're seeing bank failures, crypto failing, all pushing people to something that has massive surveillance, which is a CBDC.
1: People don't realize the globe is bankrupt and there's going to be a mad dash for tax revenues and, and that's why they're going after crypto right now. They need to squash it and they have to be able to figure out a way to get their vigorous or their take.
0: You have been censored. You probably never set out to be a public figure, but you are now. What's it like being you?
1: I truly believe every great evil creates a great good, and we've just seen a great evil. And I do think there's a renaissance coming. As much as things are messed up, life goes on, and you have to enjoy it while you can. So I'm trying to make a difference, but I give the results over to God. So I do what I can, and if all my work results in nothing, well, that's okay, but I try.
0: This is London Real, I am Brian Rose. My guest today is Ed Dowd, the former hedge fund manager, whistleblower and author. You spent the vast majority of your career on Wall Street with 10 years as a managing director for BlackRock, the world's largest asset management firm, overseeing a $14 billion fund. On that note, you've said that we are at the beginning of a deflationary cycle and that this recession will lead to a global economic collapse. Your new book, Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022, explores why we have seen a sudden surge of deaths in working age people that most significantly was not attributed to COVID-19. You believe that the unexpected and sudden deaths of so many young and healthy people should be a major and immediate public health concern. Ed, welcome to London Real.
1: Brian, thanks for having me on. I'm so honored to be here.
0: It's a real pleasure. It sounds like our paths crossed quite a bit over the past three years. I'm sure we could tell some war stories about 2020 and being deplatformed, et cetera. I've seen some of the tweets you put out on May 3rd that got you deplatformed off, off of Twitter. That was the same day we had to broadcast on our own streaming platform because YouTube had banned me at that point from saying anything uh, you know, about the virus. So It looks like we've both had some experience of of censorship and I can't wait to dive into it today. There's so much to talk to you about, Ed, because you've written this incredible book about the sudden death that I want to dive into, but also with this banking crisis we're in, you have incredible insights into that. And some of this all might be correlated with what also might look like we're heading into world war three. So, Ed, I don't know where you want to start uh, with all of that, but, What's the best way to bring people up to speed the fastest on on what you've been working on?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm like yourself. Our backgrounds are on Wall Street and we're not doctors, but um, what we are are pattern recognition experts. Um, you know, my, my job was to live between perception and reality and get ahead of the herd. The herd has a perception. And, you know, when you see data underneath that perception starting to change uh, and a new reality is beginning, a new pattern, you want to be there first. And then once you get there, you want to convince all your peers of your new thesis and what you're seeing. So, you know, with that in mind, I was seeing a pattern in uh, early 2021 that was anecdotal at first. And then uh, the data that we started collecting uh, was horrifying. And the anecdotal data in, you know, February, March, in my immediate circles on Maui was the following: in 2020, I didn't know anyone uh, who had COVID on Maui. I knew people that knew people that had COVID, and no one in my no one had tales or stories of any of their loved ones dying or being injured by anything. Uh, 2021 rolls in immediately in, in February and March. COVID hits Maui hard, uh, and uh, I start hearing tales of uh, weird reactions uh mostly right after getting the vaccination and then I started uh I'm I'm, I'm a avid news follower alternative news new uh, I like to you know get the, you know the, the feed on the ground kind of news and I was noticing that soccer players were collapsing in the uh UK and Europe on the field uh and uh so that 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 interested me these are the most fit amongst us so this all conspired to just make me start asking questions, becoming very suspicious of what was going on. At least with the vaccine, I was suspicious of COVID in 2020. I put out a uh, a tweet uh, thread in on May 3rd that was in the form of a dystopian movie. That if you read the tweet thread and it's pinned on my Twitter at at Edward, it basically almost predicted what we saw, and I and it was a it was a trailer to a dystopian movie that launched in 2022, and. You know, people ask me how how were you able to figure this out. And I said, well, I put myself in the mind of a criminal, and I thought, you know, hey, if there was a global sovereign debt crisis, how would you um, control that implosion? And whether COVID was released on purpose or was used as an excuse, I don't know, don't care. But it certainly gave the uh, central banks and the politicians an excuse to print unprecedented amounts of money. Uh, and I think you know, and you're aware that in 2019. There was a repo crisis at the Federal Reserve. Overnight lending started to shoot up. It looked like the system was going to start to implode. But then COVID came along and, and gave gave life to the system for another two years. Here we are, and we have what we call a, uh, I believe, the beginnings of a, so- a global sovereign debt crisis. Um, there's indicators we can talk about. But it, going back to the uh, what was going on with the um, uh, the vaccine issue, uh, I became very very Disturbed when the mandates hit, and that's when I became activated, and I started going to pro- protests on Maui. And you know, I call this—I uh, uh, pre- actually prayed to God to be of service. And within a, a month, I had met Dr. Malone. He came to Maui. I was introduced uh, via someone in the in the uh, at the protest. They said, "Hey, you're Ed from Twitter. You've been on Zero Hedge. We want you to come to a dinner with Dr. Malone." So I went met him, became friends, wrote the, uh, the Malone Doctrine with uh, for him with uh, three other individuals, which is basically a doctrine that uh, tries to establish integrity in institutions, because that's where we, we feel the battle has been lost. Our institutions have no integrity. So I told Dr. Malone that I would be uh, monitoring the insurance uh, data and the funeral home data, because I figured if I was right, um, the governments wouldn't tell us this, but they wouldn't be able to hide public databases. And sure enough, insurance results in the beginning of 2022 started going off the rails. There's a specific business called Group Life, uh, which is um, given to most people in Fortune 500 companies and mid-sized companies in the US. It's a very unique group to the most healthy amongst us. Uh, Their age is 25 through 64. The Society of Actuaries, which is an industry group for the insurance industry, did a study in 2016 That said these people die at one third the mortality uh, of of the general U.S. population in a given year. So one third the rate. So in a year, population dies X, they die one third of that. Well, this went off the rails in 2021, started showing up in the results. And uh, basically uh, what we discovered as I was writing my book um, was that uh, in 2021, in the group life policyholders, they experienced excess mortality of 40 percent. Let me say that again, 40%. A CEO, Scott Davison, uh, in January of 22, at a, a Chamber of Commerce meeting, he didn't know what he was about to say, but he said it anyways. He said, we're seeing 40% excess mortality, in, uh, especially amongst the younger working age folks, and uh, that a 10% excess death rate is a three standard deviation event or a once in a 200-year flood. He said 40% was off the charts. So those are his words, not mine. So we looked at the general population excess mortality in 2021, it was 32%. And why is that important? Well, the, the, the historical relationship of this group being way healthier than the general U.S. population flipped. And uh, while I was um, in my journey, I gathered a team of experts around me. I started going public. Uh, uh, my, my, my Internet phenomenon was launched on Steve Bannon's war room in February of 2020. Two, and I assembled a team throughout the year, and I ended up um, starting a company with uh, two PhD physicists. Uh, both have experience uh, on what is considered Wall Street in Europe. They're from Portugal. One of them has a, a, a dual PhD, one in finance, and one in, in, in physics. So these are, th- these are gentlemen that are very serious, very well-educated. One of my partners, Carlos Alegría, wrote a very good book, Economic Cycles, Debt, and Demographics. And he, uh, he, he predicted that inflation was coming before it did in the book. Um, he updated it for the COVID. So I just want people to understand that when, when I tell you what, what, what I'm telling you, it's just not me. It's a team of two PhD physicists. We have two data scientists now. We picked up another physicist and two editors. So and everyone's working pro bono. We're gonna start a hedge fund, but we haven't raised the capital yet because to be honest, uh, we want to put this information out so no one can claim we were funded by anybody. This is free. So th- I don't want anybody coming after our uh, motivations. This is all done with the best of intentions and integrity. All the data is on our website right now at financetechnologies.com, and it's spelled with a ph instead of an F. So that's, in a nutshell, we found that something happened to the employed in the U.S. in 21 and 22, and we also looked at U.S. disability data. US Bureau of Labor Statistics separate database from group life, we found the same thing. Uh, The disability shot up three standard, four standard deviation event from uh, starting in February of 21. It had been running around 29 to 30 million disabled in the US, went to 33.2. Of that, 1.7 million are employed. The unemployed disability rate went up 31%. The general US population went up eight. So uh, factually, we can claim without a doubt that it's been detrimental to your health to be employed in 21 and 22, and it continues in 23. So being the deductive uh, Wall Street guy that I am, and I know you are, I asked, what changed? Well, there's only two things that changed, mandates and mass vaccination program of a novel new technology. So I blame the vaccines, full stop. And, you know, your
0: background, Ed, I mean, literally, you, you, you didn't plan and set out to do this in 18, 19, or 20. You just got to a situation and you said, how can I be of help? And this just kind of fell and you feel like this is your calling. This is your mission to pursue, educate the world about this.
1: Correct. Uh, And, you know, as much as people malign Wall Street, here's uh, a bunch of Wall Street guys trying to do some good. So maybe we can redeem Wall Street.
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny because, you know, I walked into this, this this whole you know pandemic you know just broadcasting here and it was like january i was actually in new york city doing some broadcast in chinatown and we had heard about it i came back here in february and then by march it was all kicking off but because of my engineering degree from mit i think i i i don't know if you've found this in yourself or if other people that are when you get indoctrinated by the scientific community you almost accept everything scientific as as valid And so I was kind of sold on this concept of vaccines because I was sold on science. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with Robert F. Kennedy, I think in April of 2020, where he said, Brian, do you understand the policies of vaccines? Do you understand what happened in 86? Do you understand the lack of liability? And my, my jaw just dropped because I didn't really understand. And I had been kind of blinded by the science in some way ed and once i had started to really learn about this then i started to be very suspicious just like you were of any type of vaccine rollout and but it it took a lot of education on my part to even understand that and i'd like to think i'm a pretty educated guy so um it's interesting when you talk about it because i think most people they trust in the science even if they have a science background and it's hard to get into the details and again Back then, and maybe still now, Robert Kennedy was not allowed anywhere to say anything to anybody. And then, of course, you were quickly labeled an anti-vaxxer. I was banned from all technology platforms, and it was very hard to get any kind of information out there. I'm just curious what you think about, because I'm sure you met people that you would think would be really smart, but are completely blinded by their faith in the science and don't really look into some of the humans behind it.
1: Yeah, so like yourself, I had no idea what was had happened in the vaccination industry. I like you, I had no clue. But uh because of my background on Wall Street both equities and fixed income, you know, I looked at healthcare companies and I knew early on a couple things that made me let's call it vaccine hesitant for this vaccine. Uh I knew that Um, it was new novel technology and they were going to uh, uh, suspend the tests on humans. The, the, The animal studies weren't good. I knew that. I knew that before the vaccine was even out. So I knew that I knew that the technology they were using was questionable. Then operation warp speed. You know, I'm a guy that understands manufacturing processes because that, you know, my, my, my job is to pick companies that are good at that. And I knew that anything rushed would be rife with mistakes and corners cut and then I also knew that, because of my background in, uh, analyzing healthcare stocks, was that vaccines usually take seven to ten years of good safety data before they're put in someone's arms. And so I had those three facts, and I said to myself, "I'll wait. I'll, I'll see what happens." And I thought, I thought most people would think like me, and um, I was I was horrified with the propaganda campaign. And then I realized something else was afoot. I mean, when I saw. And I, then I saw all my loved ones around me and everyone rushing out to get this thing. And, and listening to the radio ads on TV, they were just, they were, they were lies. Like here on Maui, they were saying it's been approved by Pfizer and it hadn't been yet. It had been authorized under an EUA, but they were saying it was approved. These, ty- these types of little details really just shocked me. And so I was hesitant just because I knew those, knew those three, three things. And then as we rolled through time, and my journey of discovery, I've i have come to the awareness of the vaccination industry like yourself. And I've recently stated publicly, I've never taken another one again. That's just me personally. But uh, thats that was my journey. I also knew that uh, Moderna was a company, uh, uh, you know, I talked to one of my uh, colleagues at another uh, firm who's now retired. He was at American Century. We were on the phone. We're like, Moderna, this is a sketchy company that's never had a product on market. And Vansell, the CEO is kind of everyone kind of thinks he's a pathological liar so those of us on Wall Street who are on in the know knew this guy was uh, full of it. so we were just like, why is moderna and so we were just confused and just very and and this this gentleman did not take the vaccine either but his children did and his wife got at least one shot so the, you know we, we were powerless to convince people of what we knew because they thought we were the crazy ones initially
0: yeah. Besides like running the numbers on Moderna and understanding the company, what else did you see when you started looking at kind of the economics, the the increases in revenues? And like, again, you look at it from a completely different perspective. And what do they say? Follow the money. I mean, the money doesn't ever lie.
1: Correct. So I did some back of the envelope math uh, early. Well, you got to go back to 2021. Remember, the plan was quarterly boosters and if you ran the math on that with some simple assumptions, I said Pfizer gets 50% of the global share. Uh 5 billion, I assumed 5 billion people would be vaccinated out of the seven and a half. And I found out what they were charging. And uh and if they did if, if it was if quarterly boosters were uh the 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 you know the law of the land across the globe, that would take Pfizer's revenue to about 330 billion. They were 40 billion before COVID. Uh, in twenty uh, twenty two, they did around ninety billion. So the plan was, and I think they were excited about it, and the stock started to discount that. Now it's not. but uh, because as we know, booster uptake is abysmal, but and it wasn't rammed down as many people's throats as we thought it would be. that three hundred and thirty billion, uh, that's the prize. And if you don't think executives would bend rules to get that prize, well, I've been on Wall Street a long time. And I've said uh, publicly to other people have interviewed me. When I was at BlackRock, I sat across from CEOs all the time. I ran a fourteen billion dollar fund. I sat across from Fortune five hundred CEOs, and my mindset was when I went into the meeting, how are you going to lie to me today? And then I and then that's 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 how you have to on Wall Street. That's how you have to think. How are you going to lie to me? And then you have to figure out, you know, if there's truth, you watch body language, you watch, you know, upticks, downticks. And looking at what was going on in 2021, I was horrified. There was then, you know, the, the demonization of the unvaccinated. It was crazy time, crazy time. And, and the mo- and the prize was so big and the money being thrown around to uh, media by the pharmaceutical companies, we found out there was a billion dollars in government money given to media companies uh, to uh, promote the vaccine. Once you start to follow the money, you realize what was going on. And again... I was. I don't know if it was a conspiracy, but certainly a conspiracy of interest. There were three verticals that stood to gain, or four verticals. Uh, Technology was licking their chops at all the new surveillance technology that was coming their way. That's a new cash flow stream. So they decided, and the Twitter files have since shown they conspired with government to suppress anything negative about the vaccine. Okay, so they they had they had an interest. It was a a new a new vertical. Uh, You had pharma companies, which were going to just, you know, under the color of law, have a mandated product. So they had incentives to maybe ram the thing through, not look at safety signals, which we've proven there were safety signals uh, uh, that should have shut the trial down. It it never should have been approved. So that's number, that's something that's going to come to light. Then we had um, media companies that were living off of uh, pharmaceutical ad revenue streams, especially on the nightly news. And then we had uh, government uh, you know politicians uh, money and power and then the regulatory agencies we we found uh, 75% of the fda's budget comes from pharma there's the revolving door the nih gets you know has, uh, hundreds of millions of of royalty revenue so there were, it was a conspiracy of interests that that's what i know whether there was a bunch of um, maniacal um, men in a room drinking scotch laughing I don't know but there definitely was a conspiracy of interest there was what we call institutional momentum and it and it just it just it rolled over everybody and you've been on you know you're a Wall Street uh, uh, professional something called the institutional imperative and Warren Buffett talks about this it's where the uh, the c-suite doesn't act on the uh, behalf and interests of the shareholders they act on the behalf and interests of themselves and that's often, Uh, Once the institutional imperative takes over, fraud becomes kind of accepted and endemic to an institution, usually starts at the top. And uh, the institutional imperative, we can clearly see at the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, the the regulatory agencies that are supposed to watch out for the stakeholders, which are us, and they didn't. And uh, at Finance Technologies, we we launched what's called the Humanity Project, where we have all the excess deaths for the UK, uh, all of Europe. Uh, the US, Canada, uh, not Canada, Australia, Germany. And we've also done an extensive deep dive into the disability data in the US. And we, in our mission statement, declare ourselves the watchdog of the watchdogs. And we're doing it all pro bono at the moment.
0: Yeah, I was shocked by the government agency involvement in the actual pharma companies and the and even the profiting of those individuals from, it just seemed to be a clear conflict of interest. I didn't understand all of these conflicts in the, in the medical field and the regulatory field of that, but I've been well educated when it comes to that. Um, and then we had Robert Malone in here talking about this fifth generation psychological warfare um, that in itself was almost the virus, where they were testing the psychological tools they would use to get people to use the vaccine. That technology is almost more dangerous than the vaccine itself you know like you said the, the anti-vaccine shaming the messaging everything they would use to amplify the fear accelerate the groupthink, and push this thing across uh incredible to look at it that way and then when i saw the money being spent by the government for media to promote this uh again in black and white uh, these were levels i wasn't even aware of and i was right there at the tip you know when this was unfolding in 2020 so um again hard to believe uh i want to go a little deeper on this data that you found you know in in this group life policy because like you said it represents this young workforce this kind of executive workforce that is typically very healthy and all of a sudden you saw this massive spike whereas a 10 percent was a three deviation one in 200 years a 40 percent is probably like once <laughs> you know once in the entire history of humanity type event and You know, talk to me about how you saw that and then the anecdotal evidence and then what people really need to know, because like you said, we're seeing this happen all over the world, you know, high level sports, uh, people dying on the field, unexplained deaths of healthy people. You know, a lot of people know one of these stories and yet they're being told that, oh, that's just an anecdote and it's just not part of it. And excess deaths are not any higher. Maybe you could speak a little bit on that, Ed.
1: Yeah, sure. So before the Society of Actuary data uh, came out, myself and Josh Sterling, who um, is a uh, he, he was anonymous, but he's come public since. And he's working with the insurance industry right now. But Josh Sterling was a former Wall Street executive on the sell side, worked for Sanford Bernstein. He was number one I ranked at one point for one or two years. So this guy knows insurance. Uh, we in March of 2022, we started analyzing CDC data. And we found something very curious uh, in the CDC data because the CDC data was not presented in a very workable way. But he was able to download the data, and they did provide ages, so we were able to create age cohorts. And what we found early on was there was a mix shift in, in, in the mix of deaths. Again, Wall Street, this is what we do: we look at mix shifts, right? And there was a mix shift from old, primarily in 2020, to younger in 2021. So. The question is, did the virus suddenly uh, mutate and only affect uh, the young now, and and, 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 and especially working? Uh, what, we, what we came to find later was mostly working people, not, not just young. And we've found in the CDC data, there was an event in the millennial cohort, ages 25 through 44, where their excess death, you know, you know, in 2020, it went up, then it came back down in 2021 20, uh, uh, a little bit. It was running still high at 30%. Then in the third quarter of 2021, it shot up to 84% excess mortality. And as a Wall Street guy, you know, and I know, that's a rate of change. That's a slope. There was an event, and you know, obviously the event was mandates. Uh, and 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 the you know, look, if you're a millennial, we were told in 2020 this affected mostly old people with comorbidities. So if you're a working age person, uh, and they're telling you to get the vax. You're like unhealthy. I don't need it, so you're late. You're, you know, you tend to be lazy. Well, we suspect what happened with the millennials is they then had a choice: keep their job, um, get the vax, or, or 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 quit. And that's what caused that spike in that age group, and it was a very fast rise. And the naysayers at the time told me, Ed, it's suicides, it's um, it's uh, drug overdoses, it's missed cancer screening appointments. Let's go through each one. Uh, because of the, the event, the slope, the rate of change, the going from 30 to 84% in one quarter, uh, I, I can't buy the fact that... Uh, and then later, that, by the way, so the Society of Actuaries later confirmed our numbers. So we had our numbers, and a separate group showed the same event in their, in their cohort, 84% rise in excess mortality into the third quarter. Um, you can't tell me that this group life policy holder folks had a suicide pact. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you can't say they all overdosed on drugs in the third quarter in the group life policyholders because primarily to get a, a benefit, you need to be employed at the time. You can't be fired. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't know, know too many fentanyl and heroin users who stay employed. And it would be very curious that you know, a bunch of Fortune 500 and midsize executives decided to overdose. And then the third and most ridiculous one is the cancer, miscancer Cancer. Screening appointments. I'm 56. I've never had one, and I don't suspect ages 25 through 44 are having those appointments. So all of that uh, can be debunked. And for all three to occur simultaneously in one quarter, you know the odds are astronomical. So there was an event in 2021 that uh, is really for me one one of the smoking guns, and the mix shift also is a smoking gun. Just to put some numbers on the CDC, we found. And these are excess deaths. This is above a baseline we calculated five years prior. In uh, in 2020, 40,000 millennials died excessively, ages 25 to 44. In 2021, 60,000, 50% increase. Gen X didn't fare much better. There were 90,000 excess deaths in 2020, 120,000 in 21, whereas the old folks saw their excess deaths decrease in in 2021. So that was the mix shift. So there are about 500,000 excess deaths in 2020, and 500,000 in 2021 in the U.S. And there was a complete mix shift. So again, using deductive reasoning and logic, what changed? Well, a vaccine and 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 people forced to take it. And we've proven without a doubt that something's happened to the employed of the U.S. And I went before Senator Ron Johnson in December, told him it's a national security issue, and, and you know we know the military has you know their problems as well. So it's military, first responders, and all the employed.
0: What was their rea- What's was what been the reaction from government, from media, to what you're saying?
1: I was uh, fact-checked early on uh, before the Society of Actuaries came out, and AP and Reuters asked me for comments in my Twitter DMs. I, re- I-, I did not respond, because uh, um, we've learned that when you respond, they twist what you say, and it's they've already written their article. So I didn't respond, and they said that um, that uh, they fact checked me, that I was not correct, and that their experts said so. That was it. That was the fact check. So that I got. Fa- I haven't been fact checked really since then. Uh, I wrote a book, came out December thirteenth. Uh, there's been no attacks because we put QR codes throughout the book. Uh, this is this is you know government data. Um, you can maybe debate us on the methodologies we use and how to calculate the baseline to get excess deaths. My, my team, Carlos and Yuri, Carlos wrote a methodology, two methodology papers on how he calculates baseline. So anybody wants to, you know, challenge us, uh, we believe we have the way to do it correctly. So no one's really, uh, no one in the mainstream media is really, they're doing what they did to the, uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy's book. They're ignoring it. So my book's ignored. Which is, right. I guess, t- testament to the fact they haven't found anything yet to debunk.
0: Yeah, Bobby Kennedy, I think he was like, it was like the best-selling book in America, and yet it was on none of the top lists, and nobody was talking to him about it.
1: Yeah, my my book is currently doing very well. It's number one in three categories. It's vaccinations, virology, and immunization. And it's, you know, ranked consistently in the top 200 uh, on the Amazon website. So the, book, the book's doing well, but yet it's not reviewed by anybody in the, in the establishment media. Obviously, the independent media has done a lot of reviews. have been very favorable, but it's been crickets from, quote, unquote, uh, the mainstream media.
0: Yeah, which, again, as you said, is mostly funded by pharma, which we should have known before, but then it became very clear. Um, what about tech platforms? You were originally banned on Twitter. I think Elon got you back. What's yeah. been, what's been it like with the rest of platforms, by the way, we're, we're, we're putting these things on YouTube lately and I haven't been taken down, but at the time when we put things up in 2020 and 2021, and even last year, we were getting strikes and getting things taken down.
1: Well, you and I are uh, wall street guys. And so what happened recently at YouTube, the head of YouTube, uh, retired. Yeah. Um, Susan. uh, I call that a tell that's a tell. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think I think you're right. I, uh, the vaccine was a, a ver- ver- verboten issue, a verboten issue in uh, until very recently. So I think I think something's going on there. I don't know what it is, but it certainly seems that some tech platforms don't want to be caught up because censorship has killed people. Let's just let's be let's be let's be honest here. They suppressed early treatment talk, and then they suppressed vaccination talk. They they malign doctors. They platform doctors yourself me so lives could have been saved and uh when 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 again this is above my pay grade i'm not a lawyer i'm not a, a prosecutor but eventually there'll be there'll be there'll be questions and i think they're trying to i think they had a rut row moment moment and uh they're going back they're trying to pretend that you know everything's okay i think that's what's going on that's why it seems like things are loosening up a bit that's my personal opinion i i I got on Getter after I was already on Getter after I got banned from Twitter, so I, I have I had a good following on Getter, so I was getting my information out that way. I was also go, doing a lot of independent media, um, and uh, and I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't post anything controversial on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's just a, a professional site for me, so I've avoided being deplatformed on uh, LinkedIn by posting anything that I'm doing. It's just you know people can go and see my resume, basically.
0: Yeah, so we're we're going to release a documentary film in about three months that really chronicles everything that happened to me from March 20th uh, in 2020 up until May 3rd of 2020. Across that time, I was um, kind of publicly had our conversations banned and deleted. Then I got strikes against me, deplatformed across all tech platforms. Uh, you know, Ofcom here in the UK came after us. The whole thing. And I, I have recorded conversations with YouTube execs because I was in the partner program. I've got a gold button that Susan Wojcicki sent me. I was, I've spent a lot of time down at YouTube up until that moment. You know, I've been broadcasting for nine years, Ed, um, putting out conversations of two people speaking in a studio like this. And never once had I had a single video taken down until April 6th of 2020. We had the second largest YouTube live stream in the world that day, 65,000 concurrent viewers. Um, only person that beat us was Trump that night for his coronavirus briefing. And 30 minutes later, that video was pulled and it started a very public fight I had with YouTube, trying to find out what was going on. And I got a lot of funny answers. Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I leave that to my guests. All I know is what happened and I know my rights, uh, for freedom of speech, and they were not being respected by my governments. I was being told these are private platforms and you sign their agreements, so they have the right to do that. And then when I look at the Twitter files, Ed, I find out that my government was violating, you know, my second amendment rights by telling a private company (laughs) to basically violate them. And so it's been fascinating to see what happened there. And it explained maybe what it felt to me like a coordinated attack, you know, if there were governments involved, but a lot of things here need to be unpacked. And like you said, there's. There's real criminal behavior here because lives were definitely lost because we couldn't have these conversations. And um, right And it's been it's interesting to see what happens with with Google. I think they're worried about potentially Google Files coming out, and so they're changing their game. You know, we had Robert Malone in this studio streaming live on YouTube, and I later looked at some of his clips that we put up on YouTube in, in defiance. And for the first time ever, I saw a. a thing on YouTube that says um, you can watch this content, but it, it goes against policies and I'd never seen that before. So they're definitely changing their tune. Um, I would love personally to see the YouTube files because I'm sure our name's written all over them, but uh, they'll probably maybe never come out. But if they did, I think they would be really damning for that um, because like I said, we really felt what was going on back then. Um, on so many levels. I mean, I had Martin Kuldroff on here, one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. I couldn't stream him on YouTube. And that was just saying, about like you. He said, Brian, I looked at the numbers. It's old people dying. We don't need to shut down all the businesses. And that's actually killing more people. And we had this long conversation I had to stream on my own platform because YouTube wouldn't let us do it. And funny enough, at the end of it, I said, I said, Martin, I said, you're a doctor. I said, how can we rush through a vaccine that's gonna be put into the arms of most of the human population with a few months of research when it normally takes seven to 10 years, is this not the single biggest experimentation of all time of humanity and the most dangerous one we could ever execute that'll affect all of our ancestors? And he just paused during the broadcast and was said, yeah, Brian, it's a very scary thing. And that was like in September, 2020. And so, mm. uh, yeah, we, we had these conversations earlier, by the way, when I was broadcasting, if you would even me- presume that it that the virus came from a lab in Wuhan, they were literally going to lock you up in a padded room. You couldn't talk about masks. You couldn't question the, 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 the functionality of a PCR test or whether it was even designed for that. I mean, the, you couldn't do any of that stuff that early on. And later we're now realizing that, you know, most of the stuff is, is now accepted, so yeah, it was frustrating to be a part of that. If we had just allowed for an open and honest debate to find out maybe if there was any validity to this or not, it, it, it it's it's hard for me to imagine how many lives we could have saved. Let alone talk about the vaccine issue. So yeah, it's it's been a real part of my personal journey, Ed. As you can well, tell. Well,
1: I just want, I just want to add on to that. You know. Yeah. Um, you were part of my analyst mosaic. I've been I've been watching you for years prior to your deplatforming, and when you got deplatformed so quickly, and then I started seeing doctors malign, it, the, my 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 warning signals and flares went off, and then the coordination of the global governments in unison saying the same things. When was when was the last time you saw global governments ever on the same page? Never. So then, so that just that so. I, I'm not in the room, but it made me ask questions. I just started asking questions, and I was very suspicious. and you were part of my analyst mosaic. I remember you walking uh, doing a, a streaming from your phone, talking about what had just happened to you. And I was like horrified. I'm like, what is going on here?
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad I could be a data point. you know i was I was literally reacting, and it was it was crazy because everything was locked down. Um well, I didn't miss a day of work in twenty twenty. we We were determined to come. We actually dialed up the frequency of our interviews and we were interviewing all the doctors that were banned, everybody that was persona non grata at the time putting out these messages on our own platforms. So
1: Yeah, um, you're like you're like me, I'm off to a flame. Oh, I can't look at this, I'll I'll look at this. I mean, that's just the way you and I are wired from Wall Street. You know, when someone tells us, don't look over here, we look there.
0: <laughs> and then this whole concept of um, this concept of freedom of speech and allowing people to consume the information and make their own decision. I mean, Correct. the concept of dangerous information just it went it went against everything in my bones and DNA and uh it was so strange to kind of watch it all unfold. You you mentioned what you said about governments in the world never being able to agree on anything and yet on this they all agreed, all the same language, almost the same you know, uh reactions, mandates. What do you make of all that? And then because I want to kick it from there now into where we are today, you know?
1: Well, I have, look, I have opinions. I can't prove this. And I left it out of my book on purpose because my book is just to detail the vaccine data that I see, or the, you know, the death data, the disability data. I blame the vaccines, all the, uh, some athletic deaths, the catalog in my book. I left out the who and the why, because that's not important. But my thesis is this, there was a global economic sovereign debt default coming and COVID, whether it was planned or used as an excuse, is a very convenient control system. If you're going to have economic collapse, wouldn't it be nice to prevent travel, keep people in their homes, keep them in fear, uh, create surveillance systems via a vaccine, to that, and then the digital ID, and then the ultimate end game here is uh, central bank digital currency. So, and one of the, one of the things that really tipped me off on my this is again my opinion, my thesis uh, was um, James Bullard uh on april 5th i believe of 2020 a mere couple of weeks after lockdowns is on face the nation and i'm i'm like why are we talking to a federal reserve president well they started asking him questions how are we going to reopen in the economy won't everyone be so afraid he said well the good news is we have technology now that will allow us to uh, test daily we can issue immunity badges when i heard immunity badges i thought vaccine passport immediately and uh and I also thought and then and then uh, she, uh, you know, they talked about that. And then she said, when we come back, we're going to talk about all the new surveillance technologies available to implement this. So that that was April 5th of 2020. That was not received well at the time. I started talking about vaccine passports on Twitter called a the conspiracy theorist. And they memory hold that that, just, that 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 was what we call a trial balloon. They, they trial ballooned it oh too early and then they they buried that and no Fed governor ever spoke on the issue again so I I I'm I'm very suspicious that um that was that this is a control system and also let's talk about what happened you know France has a lot of riots and uh, protests going on right now
0: yeah if I was, you remember I was, there, I was there last week and I got to see the cars burning on the roads I was there for a blockchain conference and it's all kicking off there
1: do you remember prior uh, this? Most people in the U.S. don't know this because they didn't, you know, televise it. But there were yellow jacket protests in France for weeks on end uh, in 2018 going into 2019. And COVID mysteriously wiped those all off the map. No more, No more protests. So I'm just I'm just saying as an analyst, you know, this sounds like a good narrative that, you know, I think. If we did some uh, investigations and some discovery, my narrative is pretty close to the truth. Again, it's I don't it's it's my opinion, it's my thesis at this point. But COVID and the unison of all the global governments um, suggested that they they were worried about something that they weren't telling the public, which is we're broke. The social contract's been broken. All the pensions. I mean, I don't think people understand.
0: To continue watching the rest of the episode for free visit our website, londonreal.tv, or click the link in the description below.